In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple weeks after we had celebrated the Feast of St. Luke, I was talking to a parishioner who is relatively new to the Episcopal Church, and she said that while she was enjoying becoming familiar with some of our particular ways of doing things, we had to stop talking about all these feasts. Because, honey, I was raised a Baptist, and if you say feast, I'm saying, where's the food? It's a fair point. Especially because today, we celebrate another feast. The Feast of All Saints, which is, after Christmas and Easter, one of the principal feasts in the church year. But this conversation is a good reminder that not all of us come from traditions that venerate the saints with special days of feasting and celebration. And in fact, many of us may come from traditions that actively discourage us doing so. This skepticism of the saints is not without good reason. In the New Testament, all faithful Christians were referred, to the, were referred to by the Greek word hagios, or holy ones, which is translated as saints with a lowercase s. You saw this in our reading from Ephesians just a moment ago. Thus, the differentiation of saints with a capital S, the distinguishment of certain holy individuals as especially worthy of veneration over and above the typical followers of Jesus, this is not scriptural. It is an evolution and invention of the church over time. And yes, while it can be helpful to have heroes in the faith, people to look up to and to inspire you, things did get a little out of hand. Over the years, the saints became something like demigods, serving as intermediaries in the faith, assigned certain tasks or things that they were the patrons of, as if Heaven had a, a highly complicated orb chart with the Godhead at the top and the saints serving as middle management. And then there are the elaborate stories that evolve around some of these holy women and holy men. These hagiographies, as they are called, which can stretch the credulity of even the staunchest of believers. One of my favorites is Saint Denis, the renowned third century preacher who was so committed to spreading the gospel of Christ that it is said, even after he was decapitated, he walked for miles carrying his head in his hand, preaching all the way. <laughs> I believe God can do some amazing things, but even that is too much for me to swallow. But then again, what do I know? For beloved Saint Denis became the patron saint for all of France, and not ironically, headaches as well. So given all these complicating aspects surrounding the saints, it is fair to ask, why do we celebrate them at all? What good for you, for me, for, for Christians living in the 21st century is a saint? Well, I believe that saints are worthy of our attention and our adulation not because of the miraculous things that they may or may not have done. 
but because they are people who heard the words of Jesus and somehow caught the fever of faith and never recovered. When they heard words like we just heard from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6, it caused them to dream strange, feverish dreams, start seeing bizarre visions, visions of a world upside down and inside out. Like Daniel did in days of old, they caught a glimpse not of what is, but of what could be. And that made them start to wonder things. Wonder things like, what if the poor were blessed rather than wretched? What if the hungry were filled instead of being left empty? What if those who were hated and reviled and excluded were instead beloved, included, and respected? Kate, we're coming. We're almost to you, sweetie. You're doing a great job. <laughs> and what if those who were powerful, those who were proud, what if they decided that their comfort was nothing so long as so many others were suffering? What if we loved our enemies? What if we blessed those who cursed us? What if we shared everything we had? What if we didn't retaliate? What if, what if we actually did unto others as we would have them do unto us? What would that mean? What would that look like? Wouldn't that mean a world of generosity and justice? Wouldn't that mean a life of fullness and goodness? Wouldn't that mean an end to anger and violence? Wouldn't that mean a, a personal peace and a collective prosperity for all people. And might that just be what God had intended for this world from the beginning? <coughs> Saints are people who found these kinds of questions so infectious that they could never stop asking them and could never stop living them. They found this potency of this possibility so compelling that they gave their life to it, some of them literally. For a saint is really just a human being who had a vision of what this world could be if we actually took seriously the teachings of our Lord and sought to live them here and now. It is this completeness of their commitment to their life of faith that remains the most important legacy of the saints and why they are worthy of our special veneration. For while the New Testament may have referred to all Christians as saints, the truth is few of us ever achieved this level of follow-through in our life of faith. Their examples make clear to us how far we still have to go, how much our hearts still need to grow. But they also remind us that despite the deficiencies of our discipleship, we have, each one of us, been given 
the makings of sainthood. Yes, each of us, for the diversity of the saints makes clear that there is no saintly gene. They come in all shapes and sizes. That's the point of the hymn we just sang. Saints are made, not born. And that means that each of you has what it takes to become one. How do I know that you have the makings of a saint? Well, that's easy. Baptism. For in your baptism you have been granted the assurance in no uncertain terms that you are a beloved child of God. And you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, even become a saint. But the baptismal service doesn't stop there. It doesn't just establish our identity as a beloved child of God. It then goes on to ask us, so what are you going to do about it? What difference is that identity going to make? The answer to which is our baptismal covenant, which we will soon recite together. These words are a sainthood schematic. They outline visible, active ways in which each of us can participate in bringing about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Those words are promises of saints in the making, whether that saint is beautiful baby Kate, who we will baptize in just a minute, I promise, or each and every one of you who stands up to recite them for yourself. In baptism, we have been given everything we need to become a saint. So what's stopping us? Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's inertia. Maybe it's not believing that one person can actually make a difference. If any of those reasons are yours, and keeping you from giving your life completely to the way of Jesus, then you are precisely the people that the saints are for. Because they are people who made difficult sacrifices in their lives, but received great joys from them. People who challenged the world to change with such conviction that their message long outlasted their earthly life. Individual witnesses who did measurably change this world. And above all, they are people whose legacy of faith has proved a testament to the reality of God and the eternal truth of the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The saints are worthy of our special celebration this day and every day because of what they show us to be possible. They show us that with Jesus at the center, our world could be heavenly. And our lives could be legendary. So what good is a saint? They are good because they teach us this. That you are not yet one. 
but you could be. Amen.